Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to know that there truly is none like you. Through all the ages, you have remained the same, full of love and compassion, and always ready to forgive those who turn their lives away from the evils and call upon the name of Jesus Christ. You are truly worthy to be praised. Have your way then in this night, Father, by the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Touch us with your holy hand and let me walk away here, Lord, different from when we arrived here. May you alone be lifted up high in this night. In Jesus Christ's holy name we ask this and all agree and we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. How wonderful it is to be in the house of God and seeing all these beautiful faces. You are the ones who are persevering and you are here because you have an expectation. You could have decided to stay home. You could have decided not to be here. You know, the devil presents us with many opportunities why we shouldn't come to the house of God. And even a blessing such as rain will quickly be turned around as an excuse not to be here. You know, we are easy to pray for things and ask God, please bless us, please send, please provide, please increase. And then when the blessing comes like the rain, then suddenly we can turn this into something of a problem. We've got to be cautious. We've got to guard our hearts against this. That what we pray for, God will send and He will send it in abundance. And we should not turn away from the blessing that God sends. We should not become murmuring in our spirits. I, for one, I've always looked at rain from this perspective. I desire for the rain to come because the land needs it. But in that, when the rain comes, I have an expectation that the rain will come also in the spirit. But am I praying as much for the rain in the natural well, for the rain in the supernatural as I've been praying for it in the natural. Because we will often pray that the Lord will send the rain upon the nation where there's drought-stricken areas. But do we really stand that the rain will also come to fall upon the body of Christ? It reminds me, and I so enjoy what a man by the name of Michael, oh, sorry, Herschel York says, and he puts it well when he says this, although we cannot take credit for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can usually take the blame for it not being present. Because it's up to us to allow God's Holy Spirit to be here. He wants to be here and He wants to minister. He wants to come and give to you. But it's solely responsible and, and dependent upon us for it to happen. I want us to go to the book of Colossians. We're going to read there from chapter 2, just a few verses, the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 6, verse 6 and verse 7. It says there in verse 6, Paul is writing from prison, never hardly been to Colossians, he didn't evangelize them, Epaphras evangelized the area of Colossae. So Paul now writes a letter to the Colossians, knowing what was happening. And we'll come to that a bit later. So he writes this, and he says to them, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. We're reading from verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
So, walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. As you have been taught. As you have been taught. He talks about walking. Walking in Him. Walking in God. Then he says, you have been rooted and you've been built up and now you are established. When we are rooted, rooted always, any form of rooting talks about a downward move. There's no roots above the ground. There's no foundation that is above the ground. All foundation is below. You don't see it. You don't see the foundation. We don't see the foundation in Christ in the fellow Christian. We see the fruit of that foundation. You see, the foundation is not visible. When you drive down the road and you see all these beautiful buildings, the high skyscrapers, we see the beauty of the layers of that building. But that building is dependent upon what's underneath the ground. The foundation you can't see. Nobody sees the foundation when you watch the buildings out there. And so it is with trees. You don't see the roots and how deep they go. Some of those trees are built that they withstand a hurricane. So your root is so, so important because it's only when you go down that you're able to go up. Because then he says we are built up. When he talks about being rooted, it speaks of something that has happened and that has been established. You are rooted. Then he talks about being built up. It's a continuous thing. We have to continuously be built up in the Word of God. Continuously we have to grow. We can never stifle our growth. We can never just become confident where we are. It's a continuous movement to be built up because then only we will be established in the faith. Then only we will be established in the faith. So when we are built up, it speaks about layers that are being built. Any skyscraper, any building will only reach its maximum height based upon how good and solid the foundation is. If our foundation is in Christ and it is solid, more and more and more will happen to us. More and more things God is able to do through us. And more and more and more, we will see the works of God in our own lives. You know, when Christianity is preached, it primarily rests on these two foundations. There are those who are walking away from God and there are those who are walking to God. And it's true and it is right but there's a third dimension that is not being said or spoken about often. And I'll get to this at a later stage. But I want to start with when Paul writes here, he says, you are walking in him. Walk in him. When we walk, walk immediately means there's action required. You can't be useful in the kingdom of God if you are sitting You've got to walk. There's action. There's movement needed. And when he talks about walking here, he refers to those in Colossae, but speaking as a whole to the body of Christ. That those received Christ, but some of them are walking away from it now. How is it that people are walking away from God? You've been rooted in Christ, and it obviously it seems that that rooting was not deep. It's like our Lord Jesus spoke about the seed that falls, some fell on the wayside, some on the rocky grounds, and some fell within the thorns, amongst the thorns. That has happened with many, and there are many Christians out there in the world 
that have walked away. And I really cannot understand that. I cannot comprehend why if you have once followed God, you would even think of going back into the world. Obviously, the root wasn't deep enough there. Paul now addresses the Colossians and he says, you must not give heed to all the wrongful teachings that have come your way. This is why they've walked away. Erroneous teachings, doc erroneous doctrinal teachings. I'm so grateful that in this church, the doctrinal teaching is solid and it is powerful and we are anchored in that. I was just listening in the week about somebody, you know, it's, it's, it's hot topic, you know. Every year, the, the, the Oxford Dictionary, they come and they give the word of the year. And obviously in the last two, three years, the words like pandemic, and COVID and vaccination is high on the list. But what about some time when they start putting godly words out there? And I think there's a word that's probably gonna be very close to, it is the word, the coming, the coming. We call it the coming of Christ, but there are many people in the word talking about the coming of Christ right now. Many people have not even believed in it. They are now talking about the coming of Christ. We are talking about the rapture. We are waiting for the rapture to come. And I know there are many people who don't believe this and they, and they doubt this. And in the week, I listened to somebody who said something similar. I thought to myself, there are so many scriptures that talks about the coming of Christ. How can you not believe in it? How can you not believe that there will come a rapture for the church? Even if you don't believe, and here's my reasoning, even if you don't believe, if I would stand opposite a person who doesn't believe in the rapture, here's the thing that I would say to that person. Let's for one moment, just one moment imagine that what I believe is wrong and what you believe is right. Then you are saying to me that through everything that has happened in mankind, we are heading for a most disastrous time of our lives, that as the body of Christ, we're gonna suffer such ways that it's hard to comprehend that this is the best that God has got for His church. Christ died for me to be saved, but my punishment is I will suffer greatly. You think this is the portion that God has for me? Imagine that person believes. That is what they believe. There's no hope. I and you all believe in the catching away. We have got a hope that God is going to spare the church. You think that God would raise up its church just to turn His back on them and say, you will suffer. You will suffer all these things that the world has given you because I I am walking away. I've died for you and that is enough. Now the rest is up to you. You will suffer. This is not the word of God doesn't say that at all. But imagine for one moment that is true. What is the worst thing that can happen? If I'm wrong, then I will have still lived the life in expectation and be happy. Because if you don't believe in the rapture, you've got nothing to look forward to. Except punishment and pain and difficulty and hardship. You've got nothing to look forward to. But imagine for one second that I'm wrong, I'm right, and that person is wrong. Oh, woe unto that person, because you would have been a very unhappy person waiting for all of the pain to come. Whereas we look forward to that beautiful and wonderful day where the Lord will catch away the church. I always believe that God speaks and forewarns us in His Word. Listen, the rapture is not a strange phenomenon. People just don't want to believe it because they just don't know the Word of God. All through the Bible, there are raptures. God always speaks to individual situations because it relates to his church. And I'll prove it. Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. Our Lord Jesus was raptured. Philip, the disciple, was raptured after he baptized the eunuch. 
John, in the book of Revelation, he was raptured. Paul was raptured when he was taken into the third heavens. All through the Bible, God speaks about rapturing. So it's not something that the church should be afraid of. It's not something that is uncommon to us. We must expect it. Doctrinal teaching, if it is wrong, it will keep the people in darkness and there will be no hope. And this is what happened, what Paul was talking to the Colossians. Don't walk away from what we taught you about Christ Staying with the truth and it will be well with you. You know, many people have got open doors in their lives. You know, if you give the devil half an inch, he's going to come in. It's like somebody recently said in the week, if you launch a rocket from, from, from the earth to the moon and you're half a degree off when that rocket is launched, that rocket will not even come close to the moon. It totally will bypass the moon. If the door is so much open for Satan, he's going to come in. You and I must make sure that there are no open doors, no compromise concerning that which God has laid out before us so that we do not fall into this trap of walking away from God. Listen to what the Word of God says here concerning those who walk away. He says, now this I say, and this is in Colossians 2 verses 4, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. That's the way our people are pulled away from Christ persuasive words that seems good. You know, the words of the philosophers, the words of the academics, the words of the medical fraternity that tells us these things are going to happen and these things we should pay attention to. There are many, many, many ways that the enemy comes in disguise and pull the people away from the Word of God in believing in these fallacies. Gehazi, Elisha's servant, he was following God. He was walking with Elisha, seeing all these miracles that God did. And in the end, what did he do? He decided to walk away from God. He wanted to take something from Naaman and to hide it from Elisha. What was the curse that came upon Gehazi? The leprosy of Naaman would come upon him and all his descendants. That was the price for a man who knew the godly ways and walked away from God. Then there was another person by the name of Judas. Judas knew God. He knew everything about God, and he chose not to believe it. He chose not to believe this. Ahithopel was another such a person. He was one of the close advisors of David. David counted on his wise counsel. And when David's own son tried to overthrow his kingdom, Absalom, Ahithophel decided he's going to side with Absalom. What happened in the end? His counsel was not received and he couldn't take it. He couldn't take it being this wise and smart person. He couldn't take it that his counsel was not heeded. What did he do? He committed suicide. He couldn't comprehend the notion that him being so wise that the king would not listen to him. He committed suicide. There are people who have walked with God and have walked away, and God is warning us here, don't walk away from God. You know, hell, we've got to understand this. We have to understand this. God didn't make hell for any one of us to go to. That's never been God's plan. It is not God's will that anyone should go to hell. Why do people go to hell? Because they choose it's their choice that they go to hell by their conduct, by their manner of living. Our behavior tells us where we are going. Our actions 
tells us where we are going. You do not think in your mind a certain way and act in a different way. You act what you entertain up here. God has never made hell for mankind. Never. It was for Satan and the fallen angels. And yet so many people are going there. Then there are those who are apart from walking away from God, something happens to them and they turn around and they start walking to God. That is always the most beautiful thing to see when a person who is lost, the light comes in their eyes and they change their ways and follow after God. Listen to what God's word says here in 2 Corinthians 6 verses 2. For God says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 17. Therefore, if anyone, in, if anyone is in, in Christ, he is a new creation because the old things have passed away. And behold, the new things have become new. When we talk about people walking towards God, it's an upward move. That's when you are now suddenly you are built up. And it says here, because you are taught in God, that is when the word of God becomes now alive in you. You know, in 2005, I went to Israel for the first time. I still remember, this is where I also saw Pastor George for the first time and many other people who went with us. And for me, it was one of the greatest events of my life. I arrived in Jerusalem knowing nothing. I thought I was saved and I knew nothing. And we, we sat there at the back of the bus. We were two buses. And at the back of the bus where we sat, my wife and I, there were a bunch of, of young, youngish students and youngish people. We're always still young. We're still young. But... I heard them talking and they were so excited about Israel and Jerusalem and they were talking about this and that and I thought, where in the world do you get this? And then I realized most of these people were sitting in the bus at the back with me from this church, they were in Bible school. They were talking about things that they've learned in Bible school and I felt so inadequate. I, I listened to them that whole tour and I thought, wow, this is amazing. They not only know the land, but they take it back to the Bible. They talk about things and it all makes so sense. And that when it, it, it just stuck in me. My wife and I decided the next year we were going to be in Bible school because I wanted to be like that. That encouraged me. That was the moment that it happened for me where I realized I knew not God's word and I must do something about that. And I'm not here to go and talk to you about the Bible school. You know, what can I say what has not been said already? All I want to say is this, in the time and the hour that we are living in, how can you afford not to equip yourself in the Word? How can you not want to know more about God? You know, if you are going to look at an excuse why not to do Bible school or equipping yourself, I'm telling you, there's a whole shelf of excuses. Choose one, because the devil will give you one. Choose one. You will have an excuse why not to do Bible school. I don't have to convince you, you're going to find an excuse. But if there's one reason 
One reason that you can find why you want to do it, God is going to give that to you and He will provide for you. You, you cannot look at it from a time or a monetary perspective. I promise you, I promise you, here stands a living testimony. All the things that I wanted to do when it was in relation to God, God opened the doors for me. I went to Israel twice and twice God repaid the money that I invested in going to Jerusalem. I got bonuses. So that, that cost was covered. Every single time that I went out to minister somewhere, whether it was in the prison ministry or having to minister there at Villa Gloria or wherever, God always provided for me financially and provided the petrol for that. God always took care of my finances. Even when I was in Bible school, God always provided for the time and for the money. So we can't look at time or money as an excuse why we should not equip ourselves in the kingdom of God. It is on each one of us to make an effort to spend time with God and to equip ourselves. Because if you are going to be confronted just with the topic of, of the rapture, you must know how to defend the Word of God. I think it is shameful and it is sad that all those who stand against it, you are robbing your congregation from the truth. You are robbing the people there from hope by not speaking this. But we have to find our way in God's will. And this is what happens when we turn to God. When we walk with God, we're coming to God and we're following after God. Because this is what God wants for us. You know, in, the, in, in that particular stage of our lives, the fruit is developing. We start building up things. We're starting remembering things. We're remembering scriptures. We find ourselves in the scriptures. And the fruit in us is starting to develop. And people can start seeing then that Christianity is the road that we walk but the fruit then transcends into works. It must always transcend into works. Where's the works? Show me the works. And then it'll tell you and see which one of us are really following after God. In this church, I'm so glad that we provide many ways and means for people to serve and to show the works from our walk. There's the ushering that we have. There's, I think, of the youth leadership how they have been developing over the years. We just look at the last year and I look at them and I see how they have developed in their walk with God. And Rudolf will know and he will testify to this. All of them sitting there, you see people who have taken prayer to heart and today a young generation has been, has been raised up because they have taken it to heart that they will educate themselves and they will walk and they will stand in the place where God wants them to be in the future. In this, in, in this church, there's, there are many, many ways. There's the super kids where we can serve. There are many ways. Etembeni. We must find a way where our works must be evident and we find it in our serving in the kingdom of God. I want to get to the third one, the, the most important point for me when it comes to what I want to talk about this evening. You look at two sets of footprints there. There's walking away from God, there's walking to God, and then there's for me the creme de la creme. It's walking with God. Not many people teach about this, but when we walk with God, we become like God. We think the way God does. We become a friend. We no longer walk in the flesh. We no longer desire the things of the flesh because we're dead to it. Doesn't mean that it's, it's not around us. We're so aware of it. But we're so in tune with God. We don't desire the things of the flesh. The Word of God says in Galatians 5.16, it says there, walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why do we walk in the Spirit? Because God is Spirit. This is the place that we walk. And you see those two sets of footsteps because we're walking with God. Think of a child and his father or his mother walking. This is where God wants us to be, right next to him. Him taking us by the hand, walking all together with God because then we talk 
and we fellowship together. We are in sync with one another. What he says I believe and what I do pleases him. It's all that I want to do is to please him. This is when it comes to walking with God. We become the light of the world because the world can see Christ in us. You know, the word become, becomes alive the moment that we start walking with God. I always wondered about Luke 10, 19, and the moment that I realized the revelation came through the Holy Spirit, I cannot today understand why people cannot understand that scripture. When God says, all authority has been given unto us, all authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. It means he left nothing, he left nothing behind for me to have authority over the enemy. And then he says, all power I have over the enemy and no harm shall come to me. And I don't understand why we can't understand this. Why don't we live in the truth? And he even, he even supports that and greater explained that by the preceding verse, which says in Luke 10, 18, it says this. Our Lord Jesus speaking now, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That means he's not there anymore. Satan is on the earth. He fell. He lost his abode and his territory and the power that he had. He fell. And to understand this, our Lord Jesus was a witness to that because he says, I saw Satan fall. Then verse 20 says this, but we should not even be marveling in this, that demons are obedient to us, but rather that our names are written in the heavens. The word of God comes alive. Your name is written in the heavens. Marvel in that, glory in that rather than the fact that demons are obedient to you. How are they obedient to you? Because you exercise the name and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is ours. Yes, let's give God that praise offering. Because look at what He gave us. If we look at the book of 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5, when we talk about when we put on this armor and we fight against the enemy, there's nothing of it that is natural. It is all spiritual. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's therefore, the, therefore, the enemy comes and we must pull down those strongholds. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everything that we place in our lives higher than God must come down. That must come down. That is how we fight the enemy. And then he says, and bringing every thought into obedience. Every thought. That means my thinking comes in line with God's thinking. When I walk with God, I do not think of the things of this world anymore. I think godly thoughts. It says that when I have come into obedience with him, that all disobedience will be punished. So in other words, those who are still continue to walk in disobedience, they're going to suffer. They are going to be punished. But when I walk with God, then I'm in obedience with Him. And it's evident in the life that I live. Then everything in the Bible makes sense, although in the natural it won't make sense. If I look at the biblical kind of math that there is, it doesn't make sense to the natural person. We all know the scripture, it says, one shall put a thousand to flight. That for me is good enough. If I can put a thousand to flight, that's awesome. But then it says, if myself and Pastor George walks together, it says, we two will put 10,000. Now, if you extrapolate that in mathematical terms, it means if you just work by adding, it's three will be 20 and four will be etc., etc. But if you work in the power of multiplication, it's one is 1,000, two, 10,000, and so on and so on. It now becomes 100,000. 
That is the power of walking with God. Nothing makes sense in the natural because with God, nothing is impossible. Everything is great. Everything is so much greater. That is why Gideon had 32,000 men and God said to him, no, not good enough. Only take 300. Take 300 only and you're going to fight 120,000. And he defeated them. 300 defeated 120,000. That means if it was us, let's say we are 300, each person would have killed 400 people. That's the power of God when we walk with Him. It doesn't make sense in the natural because it is not natural. It is amazing. It is powerful. It is everlasting. It is so great, we can never stop it. Jesus said to Peter, okay, take your net. Same boat, same lake. Just take it from here, throw it in his side. Four meters difference. Empty net, full net bursting. That is the biblical godly mathematics we work with when we serve God, when we walk with God. God sent 12 disciples to follow Him. And 12 disciples followed Jesus. But 12 disciples became 12 apostles. And 12 apostles became the voice of God to the world. That a Roman Empire... The most powerful that have seen, been seen in its time, a Roman empire came to its knees because of the work of 12 apostles. That is the power of those who walk with God. And there are many examples in the word of God. Enoch walked with God. Abraham, God said of Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. David was called the man after God's heart. Moses went up the mountain and he walked in God's presence. Stephen was standing there as he was being Busy, busy, busy dying, being stoned. <laughs> and he looked up to the heavens and he saw Jesus Christ on the throne. When you walk with God, all other things make no more sense because you're only in tune with God. And I want to close off with tonight before I, I want and I will do an altar call. It's always important to do this. But I want to say to you, child of God, there's an invitation to you tonight. God is saying, come walk with me. I no longer want you to walk after me. I want you to walk with me. Become one with me. Walk in the spirit as I am spirit, the Lord says. Walk with me. And that invitation goes to everyone. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I would be very, very unhappy if I ask who wants to walk with God and there are hands that have been kept down. It should be a desire for all of us as Christians to move from walking to God walking with God because then everything in the natural dimension no more becomes significant to us. You don't desire the things of the world anymore. You stop praying about the things of the world. You're now praying for the things that moves God's heart. I've listened and seen Pastor Harold over the years and the pastors will testify. His prayers or not even for himself anymore. He's burdened for the church. He's burdened for you, for, for what's happening to the church by and large in this nation and in this world. And we've learned from that. Our eyes are off ourselves now because we are walking with God and God wants it for you. And you have to respond to that tonight. You have to respond to that tonight because God is sending an open invitation. Walk with me. Walk with me and you will be different. Amen. I want everybody to bow their heads because there are people that have done this. They have walked away and those who are listening via the internet, if that is you, then this is an invitation to you tonight as well. Then you respond to this and answer to this because if you have walked away and once you've served God, 
it is an opportunity tonight to make right with God. This is God's invitation to you that you do not walk back to this world any longer, but walk away from it towards God. If that is you, then I want you just to raise your hand for me, if that is you. If there's a desire for any person here who wants to make a return to God, that is for you tonight. So please raise your hand if that is you. And then with that, thank you, there's one, there's two, wonderful. I see that wonderful hands are going up. Then, if, oh, there as well, wonderful, wonderful. If you've never made this confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then this invitation is for you as well. If you are in any way, if it is a half a degree uncertain where you will be going and spending eternal life, then I want you to raise your hand tonight as well because we want you to come out to make sure that you know that you are sure where you are going. If you've never made the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then I want you to raise your hand for me as well because we want to include you in this. We want you to be here. Wonderful. Can I ask all of those who raised their hands, can you please stand for me? You are tonight the VIPs here in this church. You must please stand. And now we invite you to come to the front for us. Please, there at the back. Please come to the front and let's welcome them. Let's encourage them to come to the front. Wonderful. Please come to the front. Wonderful. I see that they're at the back. Yes, they're coming. Tonight is their night. And God knew about this because they are special. And in the heavens, the angels rejoice at this. God's word says this. The angels rejoice at this. So I want to say to all of you, well done. Well done. Tonight we're going to make a confession. And you must know this, that your names are going to be written in God's Lamb's book of life. It is God's desire that from this day forward, you become that person who walks away from the things of old and walk towards God. This is what He wants for you. Can I ask that everybody just raise their, your hands towards them and you in the front raise your hands for me as well. And I want you to repeat this after me. The punishment of my peace was upon Jesus. And by His stripes, I am healed. Holy Father, I confess my sins to you alone. And I ask you to cleanse me from all of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I forgive all people that have sinned against me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and fill me now with your Holy Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name, who is now the Lord of my life. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering for, for these wonderful people. You know, and we look at the youngsters. These are the young ones who are making right their lives and they are gonna walk with God. From here on in, your life is going to change. So well done. Behind you is somebody who wants to say hi to you and just want to briefly pray for you. So please turn to your left-hand side, follow that tall, good-looking young pastor there, and then they're just going to spend a minute or two with you. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.